It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome in to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday april 8th 2010 we're glad you're part of the program tonight we look forward to hearing from you on the phone at 877-381-4567 over email questions at collegeview.com or joining with other listeners Via the chat room tonight, we look forward to hearing from you on the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town this evening preaching in Ohio. And in his place, Eric Reynolds is here tonight from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Eric, thanks for taking the drive over and being a part of the program tonight. Well, thanks for inviting me, Jacob. I I really appreciate the work you guys do here on the Virtual Bible Study. I think it's a a great uh, program, and I'm honored and excited to take part in it. Well, we're glad that you're here. We have an interesting subject uh, planned for tonight. Uh, Eric, you and I have been talking about this and uh, getting our thoughts together. We want to talk about fearing God on the program tonight. It seems many people in our society today do not fear God evident by the way that they live and right. uh, certainly uh, it's it, it, there's a major major problem right and obviously the first thing that will come to mind are people who have no concern at all for god you know worldly people that don't even pretend to care about god and they live their life without any you know evident fear of god or concern that right. he exists um, but maybe what's more surprising is that even in some religious circles the Proper respect and reverence and awe and fear of God seems to be fading and, and missing in some cases. And well. if you were to tell people, religious people, you don't fear God like you should, they would argue with you. But it's demonstrated by the way that they live and the way they approach God. Right, exactly. And we'll talk about that as we get into the program tonight. We want to hear your thoughts. We sent out earlier today to our update list four questions for you to consider. We threw in a bonus question tonight. Uh, the first question for you to consider is, should we fear God? You know, there are some people who say we shouldn't fear God, that it was part of the Old Testament. We'll talk about that. But the question for you to consider is, should we fear God? The number two question for you to consider is, why should we fear God? If we should, why fear God? And then for the third question tonight, as we go on in the program, uh, what are some consequences of failing to fear God as we should? I think there's a lot of consequences, Eric. We'll talk about those. Absolutely. All right. And then number four for your consideration tonight, what are the benefits to us of fearing God? Now, this is something that people don't normally think about. Fear is typically something that's avoided and dreaded. But right, I think we have in our society, in our culture, in our language, you know, the idea that fear is always negative and we don't. We wouldn't use the term today that you should have a fear of the president or a fear of you know people in authority. That it kind of goes counter to our society, mm-hmm. and I think that's what maybe has infiltrated our thinking when it comes to God. Mm-hmm. That fear is always a bad thing, and and therefore we shouldn't be a you know we shouldn't have a fear of God. And I think that's why people have some misunderstandings about it. And the fear is beneficial to us spiritually. And we're not talking about the right. phobia of fears. I mean, maybe right. that's where we're getting confused. But there are, there are some benefits to us yep, to fear exactly. God as we should. We'll talk about that. And then we threw in a bonus question tonight from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 
And uh, about uh, the contrast there that says that love cast out fear. Right. As we get into the program tonight, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, talk about that and figure out how does this fit in with the idea about fearing God. Exactly. And so if you have not joined in with those uh, answers to those questions and you'd like to join in the discussion with those comments, join in now. Send your email to questions at collegeu.com or give us a call. The phone line's open. We'd love to hear from you on the phone as we discuss those important topics. If you are watching our video feed from Ustream.tv, join in the chat room with other listeners. We have John from Edmond, Oklahoma in the chat room, Sharon from South Carolina, and Mike from Wilmington, Wilmington, Illinois, who are logged in and can chat. And if you're not uh, logged in, you can create a username and join in the chat room there. And uh, certainly it will be a good discussion in the chat room tonight as well as we discuss Fearing God. Well, Eric, you know, if you were to tell people today that they need to be fearing God, many people would would say that that's in poor taste. That uh, you shouldn't try and, and scare people. That, that that we don't need to think about God as being someone who should be feared. Right. I remember, in fact, ha- being a summer camp counselor and hearing one of the uh, other counselors there, one of the and she uh, a lady who had girls in her cabin, and she was saying that you know she she felt it was important to teach her kids that God's just a buddy, he's a friend, and she encouraged them in their prayers to make jokes and to it should be, you know, trivial and it should be we should talk to God like we, like you would one of your schoolmates and one of your friends and that and this was somebody who was supposed to be a spiritual leader, but yeah, a lot of people just don't ha, don't think that fear has a place in our relationship with God, but the the word of God and what he reveals about himself is clearly uh Clear on this, isn't it? All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You know, Eric, it's funny that religious people would challenge you many times when you tell you tell people that they need to fear God, yet it doesn't take a religious person to know that you need to fear God. The thief on the cross, back in Luke chapter 23, verse 40, right. uh, the, you know, we, under, we know the story, two thieves crucified with Jesus. The one was railing on Jesus and insulting him. And then the other thief corrected him and said, do you not fear God, seeing you're in the same condemnation? That thief... Not a religious man. He was being crucified for his crimes. He knew that you needed to fear God. Well, and sometimes I think people are more face-to-face with that when they are facing their own death, as he obviously was. Suddenly they begin to think about things beyond this life, and maybe that's when that fear of God that maybe has always been there in the back of their okay. mind, but it really starts to you know, become apparent. All right, and did we be well suited to have that fear all of our lives? All of our lives, all right. right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room. Mike in the chat room says, back in the 70s, a fellow led a prayer in Abilene, Texas, and started his prayer by saying, hi, Daddy. Right. Yeah, that's common, right. uh, unfortunately, but uh, I think we'll see the scriptures paint a different picture of the attitude we ought to have towards God. Well, should we fear God here? Yes, and let's look at some passages from the Word of God. Um, it's hard to pick some, isn't it? When you when you oh, when you, you do a study started, on this, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of verses. And in, in the Psalms are just filled with them. Just a couple uh, of Psalms that that make this abundantly clear. Psalm 33, verse 8 says, "Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him." And that combines those two ideas really, as we define this idea of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, it's not a, a nightmarish sort of uh, scared kind of fear, although there is a, a there is a sense in which being scared is part of it too. But probably the the better word to capture the idea is to be in awe, you know, of the of God and to be in awe of His power. Later on in Psalm in the eighty ninth Psalm, verse seven, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. Two right. concepts tied together again. Yep, in uh, Psalm ninety nine one, and this does tie in that idea of being frightened as well. Notice this, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. 
He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. And we'll, I think, see in a few moments when we look at Moses at Mount Sinai that, mm-hmm. that God uses, you know, ground-shaking events to instill fear in his people. All right. Uh, certainly the scriptures tell us over and over again that we need to fear God. And the people of, uh, of uh, Israel, the children of Israel, needed to be reminded over and over again, as you said, uh, Eric, to be fearing God. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4, Moses reminds them again, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and cleave unto him. Moses reminded the people over and over again, you need to fear God. God was really emphasizing to them uh, that they needed to fear him. And Solomon in the Ecclesiastes, in basically a grand experiment of life, right? you know, what's life about? What is there worthwhile to do? And he basically determines that there's practically nothing here in this life that's meaningful in you know in terms of what people engage themselves in but he sums up his findings in chapter 12 verse 13 the end of the matter all has been heard fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man so it's obviously a huge part of the way that we relate to god or that we're supposed to relate that's to why god. we're here on this earth right is to fear god and keep his commandments yet there are people religious people who are telling us today don't fear god you need to think of him as maybe a dear old grandfather or a father that wouldn't hurt anybody Right. And, and some people would say that obviously these passages we've looked at so far are Old Testament passages and that that's the way that God interacted with his people then. And it's different now. And we'll get into that, I think, as we go through the discussion. Well, OK, let's talk about that. OK. Uh, some people say that you, you uh, found a quote today that basically said, you know, in the Old Testament, that's true. You needed to fear God. But something happened somewhere around the, the uh, zero A.D., right? Right around the time Christ came, something happened. God, I don't know. Something happened to him. And now you shouldn't fear him anymore. It, yeah, in fact, it was a uh, Bible encyclopedia that I have. It, uh, I looked up the, the word fear there just to see what you know it added to it. And they had a lot of the passages, some of the ones we've looked at already. Mm-hmm. And then it said, basically, it had a paragraph at the end that said, in the New Testament, fear is replaced with love. Okay. And maybe maybe a misunderstanding of that first John passage you know, that we referred to in the bonus question. Okay. But that, that love has now cast out fear, and then meaning that there is no more fear of God. I think, again, it's confusing the, the ideas of, of fear there when we do that. All right. Clearly in the Old Testament, and it's hard to refute. Maybe that's why the encyclopedia didn't refute it. In the Old Testament, you had to fear God. It was very clear. But the New Testament's no uh, less clear that we need to be fearing God today. Jesus himself right? makes okay. it very clear yeah. that we have to, uh, to fear God. In fact, he says, uh, for instance, in Matthew 10... Um, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Well, is it still true today that God can destroy soul and body? As long as that's a true fact, okay, then we need to be fearful of God's judgment. Certainly. And later on in the New Testament, we're actually instructed to fear God in First Peter chapter 1. Verse 17, if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Right. That's the sojourning we're doing right now, Eric, and they're the New Testament dispensation. We're told by Peter that we need to pass that time in fear. Paul says as well, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, uh, this is Philippians 2.12, uh, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay. And that, that, again, is obviously saying that we need to have that um, a very real sense of fear of God. And if you were to preach that message in the pulpits of many 
uh, churches today in America. You would get uh, people looking at you with funny faces and a lot of cringing going on. But the scripture is very clear. Back in First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Again, uh, it doesn't get any more plain than that, Eric. Two words, fear God. Fear God, right. And and maybe, you know, you talked about pulpits today. Um, it, it does seem like what's emphasized more are all the comforting passages. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of them. And that's a valid thing to focus on as sure. well. Mm-hmm. God is a God of comfort, and he comforts us, and he wants us to draw near. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves us. All those things are true. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you can't just look at one side of it. You have to see all of it. And I, I think Romans eleven two, Paul makes this clear. He says, note then the kindness and severity of God. Certainly. Severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. So Paul is telling us there we need to be mindful that God has more than one aspect to him. We can't just solely focus on kindness and grace and mercy and hope. We also we can't just talk about heaven. We also have to talk about hell. We have to talk about judgment. We have to talk about God's wrath. Right. And we have to have that fear and the severity to go along with the kindness and love of God. All right. We're up against a break. And when we get back from the break, we've established the point, hopefully. Hopefully you agree that the scriptures tell us we need to be fearing God even today under the New Testament dispensation. If you disagree, we'd like to hear from you on that. But now the question is, why fear God? We've touched on it a little bit. But the scriptures give us numerous reasons. Maybe you maybe you see in your life that maybe I have forgotten that I need to fear God like I should. Maybe I need to maybe have that uh, that uh, focus again the scriptures give us plenty of reasons make the job easy for us really when we learn about god learn about his characteristics we'll talk about that on the other side of the break so get your thoughts in join us over the phone join us over the email don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this did you hear what they just said call in during this break and let everyone know what you think the virtual bible study continues after this announcement i'm wade shelton in 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgarner. My family and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study tonight. We want to hear from you on the program. If you've not sent in your answers to our questions, send those to questions at collegeu.com. Or if you have any comment or question about the subject tonight, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question that's not related to the subject tonight, you can send it in. We can consider it for a discussion on a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We have some comments coming in in the chat room tonight. Sharon in South Carolina says, Unconditional love is what I hear from denominational people. She says, That doesn't sound very fearful to me. Well, there, there, there's a, the problem is that qualifier. Yeah. Unconditional. Right. And that's not what we find. Well, to a certain extent, God loved the world. That was unconditional. That's true. Uh, but God's, uh, God's salvation of the world is not unconditional. Yet there are some who are telling us that it is. Yeah, that, and I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. He, he loves even sinners. He loves people. 
but his uh, salvation and mercy and grace are what are not unconditional. Absolutely. Right. All right, and uh, as we've lo- know, uh, shown that uh, we need to fear God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, John at Edmond, Oklahoma says, under the Old Testament, the Lord required love from his people as well. They were to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The love expected by God between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same love. And so I think John's alluding to the fact that the fear that God expected in the Old Testament is the same kind of fear that we should have for him today. Sometimes people have this almost Jekyll and Hyde view yeah. of the Old and New Testaments. And it's a complete misunderstanding. And also people, I think, misunderstand and think that Jesus is somehow different than his father. Mm-hmm. And that under under the Old Testament, they, they imagine a very stern, harsh God and just fear and judgment and condemnation. And then under the New Testament, it's... It's gone. He Love got out of and, system, and Jesus, right? yeah. you know, is they imagine to be just merciful. And but what we really find, if we take the time to understand God, is that under the old law and under the new, God is merciful. God is loving. The Father and the Son are the same. We what Jesus manifests, He came to reveal God to us in the New Testament. So what we see in Jesus is really the same thing that we would see in the Father. There's no difference between them, and okay. there's no difference in God's love. And there's no difference in the fear. So it's right. everything that in the Old Testament, the New, as far as the way that man interacts with God, um, you know, is the same. All right. And along those lines, Mike in Illinois sends in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, which says, For I, the Lord, I change not. Mm. Okay. So, and he says, God changes not. So since he demanded fear in the Old Testament, he does for us as well in the New Testament. Now, God's instructions and requirements of us have changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but God's nature has not changed. That's, That's right. what Malachi chapter 3, right. verse 6 and other passages tell us. Right. And so if God, if his nature demanded that people fear him in the Old Testament, then his nature demands the same today as well. Right. right. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we have some answers to our questions uh, that we sent out earlier today, uh, Anthony in Columbia, Tennessee, says we should absolutely fear and revere God. And to the question, should we fear God? He says there are many verses uh, to cite for this, and I will allow you to do so. Hopefully we've cited enough to prove the case tonight. He says, I personally believe it is inappropriate to call uh, to refer to God in familiar terms like dad, etc. I have heard this done in the worship services of a congregation of the Lord's church, and I was shocked. We need to feel a closeness to God, no doubt. I assume this is why folks use words like dad to refer to God. But the closeness we should feel to God is not one that should lead us to lose fear, awe, respect, and reverence for him. He is not the equivalent of an earthly dad. He's the almighty creator. Hallowed should be his name. Mm-hmm. It should be uh, should not be cheapened with casual earthly titles. And that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that out because Jesus is the one, the son of God, sure. who taught us. Mm-hmm. To say, "Hallowed be Thy name." So, if there, if anyone understood the relationship of father to son, it's Jesus, and He is the one who tells us that we need to have that awe and respect and and honor and glorify the name of God. He doesn't say, "When you pray, say, Hey, Dad." He says, when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, showing obviously there the fear and respect. All right. And we could look at his prayer in uh, John chapter 17. Uh, he, it's just He's referring to God and his glory and how he needs to be glorified and uh, showing respect, even as 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 the, the son of God, right. showing respect to God. Right. He didn't use flippant language uh, right. that, that people seem to be in fad in some places. Absolutely. Today. So appreciate those comments from Anthony. Uh, Jim writes in in response to this uh, in an email. Should we fear God? Yes, the scriptures are clear about this. Ecclesiastes 12:13, which we looked at, says we are to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
This deals with our relationship with God, fear him, and how we show it, keep his word, obey it fully. And that's great. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go. But there's a direct connection between fear and obedience. And oh, absolutely. We've seen that already in a couple of these verses, I think. We're, we're probably going to emphasize it um, later as we go. But he's exactly right that the, the way that we relate to God is by fear. The way that we show that is by obeying what he tells absolutely. us. Absolutely. And uh, Sharon in South Carolina says, uh, she refers to Matthew chapter 10, verse 18, and fear not them which kill the body and not able to kill the soul, rather fear him which is able to destroy both the body and soul in hell. She says, yes, we are to fear God, as many scriptures tell us, both in the Old Testament and the New. It is my belief that calling on our Father, calling our Father anything other than shown in Scripture is not reverent, respectful, or fearful. She references some here, uh, Eric, that uh, I have a, a big problem with, and I think you would as well. Referring to God as the big guy, the man upstairs, and Daddy are all disrespectful of our Father. Yeah, I have. You see that sometimes, um, and I think probably anybody that that does that is. You know, they're either just completely, you know, confused about the relationship we're supposed to have, or they, or they don't really believe in God. And they're just being, making a joke out of it. I don't it. know. I think I've heard uh, heard Christians maybe who said who referred to God that way, mm. and uh, and certainly it is disrespectful, and we need to be careful. About and sometimes it. we say things without really fully appreciating, sure. and maybe we need to rethink our vocabulary and our terminology. Sure. And and so that could be that somebody just hasn't really thought about the way that that comes across or the, sure. the lack of respect that it shows. Sure. All right. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Quickly, Eric, we've uh, taken a lot of time establishing the fact that we need to fear God, but the Scriptures give us plenty of reasons to fear God. Absolutely, yeah. And basically we'll look at a couple aspects of this, but it's in a nutshell – we fear God because of who he is. Right. Notice this, the way, what Job says in Job 37, in, in 22. God is clothed with awesome majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power, justice, and abundant righteousness. He will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. So it's because of God's nature right. and who he is that we should fear him. You know, he doesn't give us an unreasonable command to fear him. He, his nature makes it easy when we truly understand it as right. we should and, and respect it for what it is. Uh, you know, God's power alone should be enough for us to fear him. Exactly. You, you think of a, uh, you know, a small animal that would be scared of a large animal that could obviously crush sure. it. You know? Sure. And we can't even think of an earthly comparison that would relate to our weakness compared to God's power. You know, you think uh, that's a good ex- example that you mentioned there, that w- uh, we have no trouble fearing uh, uh, someone who's bigger than us and who's mad at us. Right. right? Just another another person, right? Right, and, uh, yeah, and there's no comparison. And, to but uh, some, there's some disconnect there when we think about God. Right. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22, Eric, you brought this verse up. Uh, Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass, though the waves toss, they cannot prevail, though they roar they cannot pass over it God, God, in creation yeah i made this place yeah I, I and he can control the seas he's established their boundaries and you're not afraid of me. and you it, it, it's it would be just insane not to fear god based upon his, his character if we just understand his power yeah if we ever get that in our heads we'll be we'll it'll put the right fear in us. sure and god gives us uh an example in exodus 20 um we have god assembling his people there and really as as he brought them out of egypt you know, God is introducing himself to his people as he's, you know, trampling all over the gods of the Egyptians in the plagues, crossing the Red Sea. And then he brings them to Mount Sinai. And this generation of people, you know, is still being sort of introduced to God. Sure. So he has Moses bring them up to the mountain. And then it, as part of God's showing them about himself, he has the mountain 
covered with uh, smoke and fire. We read about this in Exodus 20. Um, it's a long passage, but just beginning in verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder, the flashes of lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And so God has this terrifying scene, and he even has rules that say, if you come up and if you touch this mountain, you will die. Uh, he descends on it in, in the cloud. The ground is shaking. When he speaks, it's this uh, overwhelming voice like a trumpet blast that, that it, it frightens the people. But that's what the effect that God was trying to show is his power and to instill in them a sense of fear. Can you imagine a whole mountain shaking and, and smoking and the, the thunder and the lightning? And Even just... with these recent earthquakes, if you, you, know, you see people being interviewed about it, the one in Chile and all that, um, the night after, People were in their beds, and if the ground had a little aftershake, they run screaming out into the street because they're scared. Yeah. It's a frightening thing. I've never experienced it. But if we were sitting here tonight and all of a sudden the ground started shaking, I just sure. I can only assume that it would it would scare you. And yet uh, they were, the whole mountain was shaking. Right. And uh, certainly you can imagine that the children of Israel would be fearful. We're dealing with the same God that can shake that mountain. Right. And uh, we need to understand it. And notice that Moses says to the people, and this is an interesting thing, but he says um, in verse 20 of Exodus uh, 20, Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you. So he says, do not fear. But then he says that the purpose of this is so that you will learn to fear. So maybe there's a contrasting ideas of of fear here. Um, God isn't trying to run his people off. He isn't trying to scare them away off into the wilderness somewhere. Um, But he wants them to have the right kind of fear. Uh, Kevin in the chat room says, and they didn't even see God on the mountain. They just witnessed his presence, and it was awesome. Right. That's that's right. And in fact, in uh, Deuteronomy four, um, Moses is reminding them of this. This is you know the second giving of the law at, the, at Moses, kind of the tail end of his leading them. Uh-huh. But he reminds them how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, "Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children." So, so God is explaining through Moses here. The reason for this whole event with the mountain shaking and the smoke and the trumpet blast and the lightning and all of that is so that they will learn to fear me and then teach their children the same thing. So it's the power of God that he wants us to appreciate and he wants us to fear. All right. So we need to fear God for his power, but we also need to fear him because of his glory. And this may be something that uh, people don't understand today as well. A beautiful passage we have that illustrates that is in uh, Isaiah 6. And there's really so many you could look at. Uh, anytime somebody in the Bible from cover to cover is that I can think of him, I might be forgetting, but every, everyone that I can think of where they are experienced the glory of God in any sort of way. And I don't think anybody ever saw the full thing because it would kill us. I believe. Sure. But anytime we're given a glimpse of it, mm-hmm. the reaction we see is that whoever is, experiences that either usually falls on their face or they faint or they're, they're afraid mm-hmm. here in Isaiah six, Isaiah has this vision of the throne and it says, um, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Yeah. When he sees the glory of God, what's he immediately aware of? Yeah, his sinfulness. His own shortcomings, his yeah. own unworthiness. Yeah. And I think when if we ever get a grasp in our mind 
of the glory and the righteousness of God. It will just make us aware of how unworthy we are to be in his presence. And we should have this same response that he does, a fearful response, um, just in the presence of God. In his glory, his holiness, in Revelation chapter 15, verse 4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou thou only art holy. Mm. Uh, For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. God's holiness, his, his greatness, his glory, the, the natural response needs to be for us to have fear. And if you think about it, you brought up earlier the uh, worship services today. If when people assemble, this is something we should be mindful of, God's glory. And if we have an image in our mind, if we can try to grasp, if we think on some of these passages, you know, we it would help us have the right attitude as we sing, as we pray. Sure. Um, that this is not a joke, this is serious, and, and I think we'll, we'll see some of the consequences of not fearing God as we go. All right, now we have in the New Testament uh, people who witnessed Jesus and uh, his glory, and uh, they had the same response as uh, we see in the Old Testament of people witnessing God's glory there. In fact, when Jesus came in his fleshly sense, and he, he was without uh, form or comeliness, as Isaiah says, he, he, he left behind his glory in his earthly sense. Mm-hmm. And only in a couple of instances does Jesus actually have in a visible way glory. One of those is on the Mount of Transfiguration that he, you know, his face shone and he was glorified there. And as a result of this in Matthew seventeen six, when the disciples heard this, that is God speaking and saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Seeing... So- Jesus and hearing God. Okay. In the presence of God. Now, when Jesus himself, though, as he says to them in verse 8 or verse uh, 7, uh, rise and have no fear. So when they saw Jesus alone, then there was no fear, illustrating the fact that you know, he's, he's left some of that behind in heaven. And then we're, we see it again in Revelation when Jesus appears to John. Mm-hmm. And he's in his glorified state there. Now, this is John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Sure. Maybe the closest to him in some ways. Of, of those of that inner circle. And he's leaning on him at the Last Supper. Right. And so if anybody would, would just run up and, and give Jesus a hug, you know, right. this, is, uh, this is maybe who we would expect to do that. And yet, when John sees Jesus in his glorified state, and, and again, the, the idea here is uh, when he sees one like the Son of Man, this is Revelation 1, uh, 13, um, with a long robe and a golden sash, and the hairs of his head were white like wool. Um, like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze and refined in a furnace, his voice was like the roar of many waters. Anyway, when he sees this, he goes on to describe it. In verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Yeah. Because of the glory of Jesus. You know, this is a similar response that Paul had on the road to Damascus. Yes. Uh, or Saul at that point. Right. Uh, as he sees Jesus' glory, the bright light, he falls on his face. I think it's universal that when people experience the glory of God, they just fall on their face or they, they, they immediately uh, have a fear of God. All right. And so, you know, it's just a natural response. God's characteristics demand us to fear him. When we get back from the other side of the break, let's talk about some of the consequences there because we see the consequences. We see them in the life of people who don't claim to care anything about God. We see the lack of fear and the consequences of it manifested in those who claim to be religious today, as we did in the Old Testament, as we did in the New Testament as well. Those right. who don't fear God have a terrible consequence. Their spirituality suffers greatly. It's impossible, in fact, to be pleasing to God without fearing him. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. If you have any comments, we'd like to hear from them. Send them in the chat room, send them via email, or give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? 
There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. No one likes to be put on the spot. We dread the possibility of being asked questions that we can't answer. This is especially true when the questions are about religion. Without a doubt, one of the biggest hindrances to spreading the gospel is this fear of being asked questions. Many Christians feel uneasy about their level of Bible knowledge. Thus, to avoid potentially embarrassing situations, they do their best to sidestep any discussion that might turn to religious themes. This is sad because it keeps us from many open doors for personal evangelism. Since no one has all the answers, it's important for us to know what to do when questions arise that stump us. Here are some suggestions. First, realize and be ready to explain that there are simply some pieces of information that we do not have because God has not supplied them. Deuteronomy 29.29 says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But we do have, quote, all truth, John 16, verses 12 and 13, and, quote, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. So every piece of essential information has been supplied. Secondly, when you do not know the answer, it is best to simply admit it. This is much better than trying to bluff your way through. Humbly say, quote, I don't know. But do not fail to add, quote, I'll find out and get back to you on that. Following this procedure will actually provide additional opportunities to teach. It keeps the door open to further discussions. Thirdly, study. Then study some more. And finally, study more than that. You'll feel less intimidated and more willing to engage in biblical discussions if you build your confidence level by increasing your Bible knowledge. Pay special attention to areas where you presently feel weak in knowledge and understanding. Be well prepared to deal with popular doctrinal errors. Be ready to explain the issues that divide brethren. And finally, never shy away from a chance to talk about God and His Word. The more you do this, the easier it will become. Every such conversation serves as an opportunity for you to sharpen your sword. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of the program. We look forward to hearing your comments over the phone, in email form, or in the chat room tonight. Along those lines, we have a, a listener in the chat room tonight who asked the question, Eric, you know, we talk about we need to fear God. In the Old Testament, it was required. In the New Testament, it's required. We said in the same way. But the questioner asked, but what about Jesus' death and the temple separation from the Holy of Holies ripping from top to bottom? We understand in the temple, Eric, that uh, in the holiest of holy uh, places, uh, place, that's where God's presence came once a year uh, on the, the Ark of the Covenant there. There was a there was a lot of uh, barrier there. There was a Absolutely. huge curtain there that separated uh, that area where you couldn't go through. Uh, at Jesus' death, that was ripped from the top to the bottom. A lot of uh, symbolism there. Does this now tell us, though, that that separation from God has been removed, and therefore now we don't have to fear God like they had to in the Old Testament? Part of that is true, and part of it I think we need to clarify, that, yes, we have access to God, and that, that is something that, you know, we didn't really, I think the, the theme of the program was not to completely explore all the differences in the two covenants. Mm-hmm. But certainly some fundamental things changed in the new covenant mm-hmm. that now we have a mediator who has, you know, gone ahead of us, entered in through the holy place. Mm-hmm. And as a result, whereas before there was a barrier and only one person only once a year could go in, now mm-hmm. we are a nation of priests and we can approach God. And in Hebrews it says, uh, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of God. So there is something different now with Christ as our high priest. Okay. 
And and I, to to sort of give both sides, I'm going to look at if, uh, Hebrews 12. We've talked about that mountain mm-hmm. and the, it shaking and and God instilling fear in His people. The author of Hebrews uses that to to as an explanation and a comparison between the physical Mount Sinai and the mountain of God that we have today. Notice that he says in Hebrews 12, he says in verse 18, we have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet with a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. He said, that's the way it was then. Mm -hmm. But notice that it seems like he's saying that we have a different experience he says, but you, in verse 22, have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, I, for a while, thought that what he was saying was, in the Old Testament, they, there was fear associated with this. In the New Testament, it's a totally different experience. But notice that if we keep reading, fear is still part of it. I think the difference, and, and, and I'll tie it together here in a moment. Let's just keep reading, though. Notice then that he says, see that you do not refuse. This is the next verse, 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth but the heavens. This phrase, yet once, more, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The King James Version, verse 28, says, with reverence and godly fear. And God, Okay, and that's the All same. Right. So, what's he saying here? Clearly something changed the, the, as the... As the person in the chat room mentioned, the, the curtain was torn. We now have access to God. We do. Mm-hmm. We have a faithful high priest who is interceding on our behalf. Mm-hmm. We, we can come boldly come boldly before the throne, mm-hmm. or the way this translation is, with confidence. We uh-huh. can come before the throne of God. We know we can approach him where they used to not be able to. Right. But does that mean that we can do so with no fear of God? Absolutely not. And that he goes on to say here that just as they were warned then, You've been warned as well, and if they die, you'll die too. And we ought to, even for those of us who are living for God, he says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe or godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So he reminds him at the close of this context that even though Jesus is there as our high priest, we still need to have a reverence and awe. And he basically says, if you thought shaking that mountain was something, you haven't seen anything like I've got prepared for the judgment that's coming. Yeah, when when God shakes it the next time, the mountain won't be standing anymore. That's right. It's going to be crumbled and gone, and he's going to destroy the universe is what he's basically saying. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Why fear God? Anthony in Columbia says, well, perhaps something I should have mentioned in my first answer. There are two meanings of the word fear. One is in the sense of fright or being scared. The other is simply all respect and reverence. We should do both because he has commanded our respect and reverence, and also he is the one with whom we have to do, and he is the righteous judge. So Anthony says we should respect him for who he is, have fear of him for the judgment uh, that we'll have to face. Jim says, uh, why should we fear God? Because aside from the fact that he tells us we should, we know that we should that should we fail to do so, the consequences of such are not possible for us to deal with. That is why we are admonished to obey God. See Hebrews ten thirty one is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So if we refuse 
to fear God is what he's saying. The consequences of that are not something we're able to deal with. So we're not big enough to stand up to God. Okay. We're not powerful enough to say, no, I, I can take you on. I'm not going to fear you. Right. He can crush us. Right. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. All right. Appreciate those comments tonight. Well, Eric, what are some consequences of people failing to fear God as they should? You know, we see it in the world around us. We see people, the way that they're living their life, they demonstrate that they don't fear God. What are some consequences you see? In general, sinfulness, mm-hmm. the the basic immoral immorality, the moral decline and decay that we see all around us. Uh, Proverbs 14.2 sums it up this way. Proverbs 14.2 says, Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. So there's two kinds of people, those who obey God and those are the ones who fear him. The ones that don't are devious, and that just basically encompasses all sin in, in sinful activity. All right, let's go to the phone. we got a phone call sure. tonight, and we are absent a phone screener, so we'll just ask the caller. Uh, caller, welcome to the program. Uh, can you give us your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, uh, my name is Henry Reyes, and I'm calling from South Carolina. Hi, Henry. Yeah, I was, I'm teaching Proverbs in the church, and uh, I was looking uh, at Proverbs. There's so many references where they talk about to me, like it's a blessing to to fear the Lord because he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hello. And then it also says uh, in uh, Proverbs ten twenty seven, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Who doesn't want a long life? Yeah. And uh, also he says uh, that uh, um, fourteen twenty seven Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Yeah. Hello. And uh, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom in 1533. So I don't want to, you know, go ahead and give you over 15 references, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, when I'm teaching Proverbs, you know, which we know as the Book of Wisdom, to me it shows you so much, so 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 important to respect and and listen to the Word of God and realize when we do what He wants, we going to be blessed by everything absolutely uh, another one uh henry is uh, proverbs 15 verse 16 better is little with the fear of the lord than great treasure and trouble therewith amen uh, amen so this is uh this is valuable to us henry not something that we need to avoid exactly well i appreciate it and i'm enjoying uh your program very much and i try to tune out every thursday even if i tune in a bit late but at least I count that as a blessing. So keep up the good work, and God bless all of you. Thank you, Henry. Where are you calling from in South Carolina? we got Sharon in the chat room tonight. She's in South Carolina. She wonders where you are. Camden. Camden, South Carolina. Well, About 20 miles, 20 miles, 25 miles east of Columbia. All right. Well, thank you for calling and for being out there, Henry. Have a nice day. Okay, you too. All right. We appreciate Henry's call. If you'd like to call, the line is open, 877-381-4567, questions at college.com. Really appreciate the verses that Henry brought to mind there. Uh, certainly. It's a blessing to fear God. And in uh, Deuteronomy 10, we, we looked at some of these earlier where uh, as God has given them the law, and again, as Moses is reminding them that fear is a part of it. But notice what it says. Now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul? Notice verse 13. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Okay. So these things that God has given us, and he alluded to there, long life, happiness, um, you know, all those blessings that come with that is, are because God wants us to fear him, but he has our best interest at heart. And the things he's given us are a blessing to us and will help us be happier here. He said, I did, I, he, said, I wanna, he didn't say, I want to just make them fear me and obey me just to make their life miserable. 
That's it's totally contrasting uh, an opposite of the nature that we know God. Right. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. Therefore, when we see the instructions to fear him, when we see the instructions uh, that we need to obey in our lives, we ought to be running at them and eager to do them because we know who gave us the instructions, and we know that he won our good only. He's not like a lot of earthly kings might be, right. where they've got all the power, so they you know, they just want, they Some, just, yeah. whatever their whims are, they make up rules and they enforce things on people that, you know, but God is not like that. He loves us and is giving us what is best for us to do. All right, Eric, there are some characteristics that people demonstrate when they don't fear God, some consequences to us if we don't fear God as we should. Right, we were talking about that infidelity uh, or basically that that lacking a fear of God leads to um, sinfulness. And I believe you had Romans uh, chapter 1 just describes in general. Sure. We won't read the whole context, but uh, in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, gives us a catalog there of terrible sins that people commit when they don't fear God um, and... and they don't, uh, even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And it lists the terrible sins that they did. Um, the people that don't fear God are susceptible and will fall to innumerable sins uh, that the devil present to them. And in that same thing, I believe you said at the beginning of verse 18, verse 18 starts this way. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness. So God is saying to his creation, he's let us know, I'm unhappy with this, it makes me angry. Right. But people who don't fear God don't care about that. And what that manifests itself is that in their life, they do whatever they want to do. They don't care what God says. And they ignore the fact that, that God is is angry and he's he's already revealed his wrath about it. But if they don't have a fear of God, then it doesn't matter. They versus, don't care whether God's angry or not. Verses 19 and 20 give us the reason, some of the reasons why we ought to fear God. As we talked about his character, his greatness, his creation, show us that there's a God. Even if you don't know what his word says, you ought to be fearing yes. the, the person who created this world or the being that created this world. In verse 21, though, now notice this, because that, that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark and professed themselves to be wise, they became fools, and it goes on. People who don't fear God are, are just setting themselves up for the terrible uh, wickedness that will ensue. Right, that, that their hearts become darkened. If you, if you can imagine a dimmer switch on a wall, right. as they ignore God, as they don't fear him uh, and honor him, they believe they're enlightened. They think they're smarter. Professing they themselves to be wise, they become fools. The curtain comes down, and they're just in the darkness and in iniquity. All right. Uh, So uh, we see then infidelity ensues. We don't stay faithful to God. We don't follow him as we should. Uh, Eric, a couple other things that uh, you noted as well. Well, uh, injustice, that basically not only will people ignore God if they don't fear him, but they're also not going to treat their fellow man right. Sure. And we have examples of that in the Bible. Well, uh, they don't understand and appreciate the fact that man's created in God's image. And so they don't fear the one who created them. They're not going to fear uh, or respect the those who he's created. In fact, James talks about how can you uh, bless God mm-hmm. and curse man who's created in the image of God. Right. So you're looking at one of God's creations, and if you can't say, I love God, I'm cursing this person. Right. But when we don't have a fear of God, we also don't treat each other right. All right. And then we'll save this one to the other side of the break. But insincerity in our religion. That may come closer to home. Right. Those who don't fear God don't worship him as they should. You can't. If you don't fear God, you can't worship him like you should. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break and hopefully take your comments. Don't go anywhere. We go to the top of the hour right after this. 
After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday, shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about the College View Church of Christ by visiting with us at any of our services or find out more if you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area by visiting our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you have any questions about anything you hear on any edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we'd love for you to contact us so we can study it with you in further detail. Give us a call, send us an email anytime. We're talking about the fear of God on the program tonight, and uh, Eric, um, we've talked about some of the terrible things you see in Romans chapter 1, people who don't apparently even claim to be religious, but even those who claim to be religious are demonstrating a lack of fear of God by the way that they approach God and the way that they they deal with it. Right, absolutely. One of the other things that happens is if we don't fear God, we have an insincerity when we approach him. We don't have our heart in it. Isaiah illustrates this. In Isaiah 29, uh, the Lord said, verse 13, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. We're familiar with that. But right. I, I really never noticed this last phrase and, and didn't really focus on it. It says, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. They didn't have a real genuine fear of God. Their fear of him was just kind of a hollow, um, you know, surface kind of fear of God. It was just a tradition. It was just a commandment taught by men. It wasn't something they really realized. And as a result, they went through the motions. Okay. Their, their mouth said all the right words, but their heart was somewhere far away. Okay. Now, that's closely related to the scenario that we see in Malachi chapter uh, chapter 1, where the people, their worship again was in vain. Right. Uh, Roman, uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priests that despise my name, and you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? They weren't fearing God. They didn't fear him. Now, notice the, the consequence and the result of that in verses 7 and 8. You offer polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? If he knows they fear him. Right. They would you fear the governor. You wouldn't do that. You him. wouldn't do that to the governor, but you don't fear God. You don't fear me. And then you just worship him any way you jolly well please. And you expect God's going to like it. With the seconds, basically. Yeah. You give him leftovers. You give him the stuff that's no use to you. And and you give me, I'm sorry, the stuff that's no use to you. And, and that's only because you don't fear me. And as a result, in verse 10, he says, Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. I wonder if there's ever, if God ever wishes that somebody would shut the doors some of the worship that's offered to him today. You, you know, Eric, we talk a lot about the fact that we've got to worship God the way he told us to worship him. Right. And the response that we give when we say we need to worship God in certain ways, well, I don't 
uh, agree with that. I like to worship him this way. Mm-hmm. You say that the Bible tells me to worship this way, but I like to worship this way, and God just wants me to worship in a way that moves me or as something that makes me happy. People who say that, Eric, don't fear God like they should. Right. It's evident. And that's what it, it, this is all tied together. It matters how we worship God Absolutely because right. it demonstrates whether or not we fear him as we should. David gives us a great example of the right way to approach God in worship in Psalm 5, verse 7. He says, and this is David, a man after God's own heart. Right? Right. But notice how when he approaches God, but I, through the, abundant, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. David here is talking about the abundance of his steadfast love. That's the part everybody focuses on today. Mm-hmm. But notice that these two thoughts aren't exclusive. He acknowledges and experiences and, and realizes the abundance of God's steadfast love. Yeah. And yet he still says, I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. In fact, if we understand God's love, it should cause us to fear him more. Right, right. And uh, certainly people today don't don't fear that way, and they just they, they, they worship without their heart being in it, for one. Right. right. They worship without following uh, God's pattern uh, for another. Right. Demonstrating again, they don't fear God. And in that Malachi passage, they're giving him the leftovers, and we yeah. might do that with our money. We might do that with our energy. We might, you know, when we've done everything else we want to do, we'll take what's of no value to us at all, and that's what we set aside for God. And that shows a lack of fear and respect. All right. Anthony in Columbia says, if we do not have the proper fear of God, we will not be inclined to do his will, and thus we will be in jeopardy of eternal condemnation. Uh, Jim says, what are the consequences of failing to have a proper fear of God? If we do not have the proper fear of God, then we will not be about the business of working out our own salvation. He references Philippians 2.12, which says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you don't have that fear and trembling, that's a motivator. you're not going to necessarily be concerned about working out All your right. salvation. All right. Sharon in South Carolina says, if we have no fear of God, we lose our direction and our restraint. We endanger not only our lives and souls, but those of others as well. If we love God, we will fear him, revere, stand in awe, honor, and respect him. This honoring, respecting, awesome fear of our Father should cause our obedience to him. There's also a dreadful fear. Uh, she has a question. Wouldn't it, wouldn't, or shouldn't this dreadful fear of the Lord be replaced by the awesome fear as our love and faith grows in him? Uh, if we are in obedience to him, we would have no need to dread. God gains nothing or needs nothing from us. This fear of him is for our benefit, eternal life with him. Mm. She gets into some of the benefits, Eric. Quickly, we need to run through those. We have just a few minutes left. Right, we the, want to get to that First John passage, I'm sure. Too. Yeah, we, well, we're going to have to hurry. There are blessings, Eric. It is a blessing to us. It's not something that should be feared. I mean, not something to be avoiding the fear of God. It is a blessing to us uh, to fear God. And it was Henry, right? Henry in uh, South Carolina. He read a couple of these, and Proverbs is full of them. He, he mentioned a couple of these, I believe. Proverbs 10:27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Yep. 14:27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6 says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. It's a treasure for us to fear the Lord. And notice uh, Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Okay. And have worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. And Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know it shall be well with, with them that fear God, mm. which, fear, uh, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. And as we've, this is closely related to that, but if we fear God, we're going to basically do what he says. We're going to 
love the things he loves. We're going to hate the things he loves. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So we, as we fear God, we learn oh, to absolutely. see things his way. All right. And uh, Job uh, gets a great condemnation from God in Job chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. But fearing God will help us live as we should. It'll help Job live as he should. It'll help us as well. Obviously, it'll lead to salvation. We already looked at Philippians 2.12. Uh, work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. If we fear God, then we will listen to him, we will obey him, we will do what he says, and he's going to you know, uh, bless us with salvation. And it is necessary to be pleasing to God. He, in Acts chapter 10, verse 35, but in every nation that feareth him and worketh mm-hmm. righteousness is accepted with him. We want right. to be accepted with God. We've got to fear him. You can't be acceptable to God and not fear him as you should. And finally, Eric, uh, one other benefit to mm-hmm. us. Sure. If we fear God, then we will not be afraid of what everybody else is afraid of. Um, notice in Isaiah 8, uh, 11 through 13, For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. There's a lot of things that people are afraid of. Yeah, you get emails about those things on a daily basis. Probably. Yeah, they're, you know, panicked about what, things. This is going to cause cancer. Uh, the, the, these people. Even things the government's right, yeah, doing, right, you know, right. they're just afraid. Right. They're afraid of, you know, threats of all kinds. If we have a fear of God, we don't really have to be afraid of all those other things. Oh, who, who cares? Right. Right. And then back to uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse uh, 28, mm-hmm. as uh, Sharon referenced, I think we referenced it earlier as well. Jesus says, don't worry about people that could damage you physically yes right fear god and and the rest of it will take care of itself right and that that those are people who are facing pretty severe persecution even unto death but he says don't be afraid of that you you fear god and don't be afraid of them all right now we had a bonus question and before we have to go into overtime here to get the bonus in mm-hmm. well let's quickly read the uh, the answers here uh, anthony gives uh, things will be better for us in this life if we avoid the many con- and w- as we will avoid the many consequences of sin if we fear god as we should that's a benefit he says but more importantly we will earn a crown of life if we do fear God. So we appreciate that. Uh, Jim says, part of his answer says, we will be motivated by love to obey God. If we love God through his son, Jesus Christ, we will keep his commandments. The father will love us and will dwell with us as the son does. He references some other John passages. All right. Sharon says a few of the benefits of fearing, if it brings our, our obedience, uh, would be uh, pleasure in and peace from service to God. Others would reap benefits of our service. And if we look at the verse above the bonus question, we see we have boldness in the day of judgment. Mm, so right. Verse 17 of 1 John chapter 4. That's a good tie-in, right? Okay, now let's get into that. First uh, John chapter 4 then, Eric, tells us about fear and tells us there's no fear in love. And so we've, we've really emphasized tonight that we need to be fearing God. And yet we come across verse 18 of 1 John chapter 4. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And Sharon, I think, gives us the key to this passage. And that is in the context. And how often is that the case? Sure. That if we just back up and read a little bit, but even if we just go one verse ahead, as she mentions in verse 17, it says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What what we're talking about here is a fear of the day of judgment. Okay. And a fear of what comes after this life. Mm -hmm. If we have God's love, it takes that fear away. We have no reason to fear death. We have no reason to fear uh, judgment. We don't have to fear hell if we have 
God's love in our life. And that love drives that fear away. All right. And the love is demanding that we be obedient. We can't love God if we don't keep his commandments. Right. In uh, in fact, John says in verse 24, chapter 3, whoever keeps his commandments abides in, in God and God in him. By this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. When we And he also says, by this, we know we love him if we keep his commandments. Um, and again, this fear that love is driving out there does not mean that it necessarily the fear of God, the good kind of fear we've been talking about. It is in this context talking about the fear of judgment. First John chapter 5, verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Uh, and so perfect love casts out fear because perfect love is going to cause us, Eric, to live according to God's commandments. Therefore, that removes the fear that we would have of being punished eternally for failing to live as we should. And Roman. so there is no contradiction. Romans 8, in a similar vein, verse 14 through 17, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. If you did not receive the Spirit, but, I'm sorry, for you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and if children that heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. Again, this may be the the passages that people uh, get off track on when they say the New Testament Love has replaced fear. But what we see here is that, again, he's talking about being glorified. He's talking about not a slavery to fall back into fear, but we are children of God and we have an inheritance. So those words of inheritance, glorification, are looking into the future that we have something waiting for us. And therefore, that fear of condemnation has been replaced with this comfort and and joy in God of knowing that we have heaven waiting for us. All right, Eric, we are over time tonight, but we've had no, no, no. We've had a great discussion. And we need to be reminded of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, as we conclude tonight. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. God must be feared. If we're not fearing God as we should, we need to correct that because we won't be uh, acceptable to God unless we fear him appropriately. Right. Thanks for having me on the program. Eric, thank you for being here. Great discussion. Appreciate our our listeners' uh, feedback as well. We missed some of your comments in the chat room tonight. We apologize for that. Simply too much material to cover in the program tonight, but hopefully you benefited from our study and discussion together tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.